BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, all? Aaron, but not that Aaron, here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com, providing best-ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would, too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. It's Sport Jack. Welcome to episode 292 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Rusty Staub episode? That's not a real name. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's my guy. Rusty Staub. So he starts his career in Houston. Before they were even called the Astros, Corey, they were called the Colt 45s. Down in Houston. Was Start, that a sponsored name? N- well, no. That was before the malt liquor came. Was it really? Colt 45 was, of course, a brand of gun. And so they were the Houston Colt 45s. Then they became the Astros as the space agency took hold in Houston. Okay. He he goes from Houston to play in Montreal when they have a franchise. They get a franchise in 1969. They pick him in the expansion draft. He goes up into Montreal. Now, Rusty Staub, one of the reasons he was called Rusty is he's a redhead, Corey. And so he goes to Montreal, and they fell in love with him, and he was Le Grand Orange. Oh, say Le, it again. Le Grand Orange. <laughs> the, big, the big orange guy, Le Grand Orange. And he had some great years with the Expos. He was their first all-star. Then he went from the Expos to the Tigers, And he had some very good years with the Tigers, drove in over 100 runs uh, two years in a row in the late 70s, wound up with the Mets towards the end. And he was a nice player, a good ambassador of the game, but by then his baseball talent had waned a little bit. But Rusty Staub with 292 home runs, La Grande Orange! Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. Oh my, my 
One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but I can't wait till the sign-off on today's podcast because of that right there. <laughs> one one hopes and wonders how it will be said. You are spoken. welcome. Wow, what a weekend for high school basketball in Michiana, Chuck Freebie. Oh, we, we can give you so much in the scenes and behind the scenes here. So let's start with early Sunday. Well, hmm, how should we parse this together? Let's start with Friday night. Yeah, great timeline. Okay. How about yeah, we'll that? We'll take it down the timeline here. So we'll start with Friday night, and unfortunately a fairly disappointing game between South Bend Riley and John Adams because Riley honestly didn't hold up its end of the bargain. Uh, Riley did not play as a team as they had been playing in their win streak where they had won eight out of nine. Adams did a great job defending them. Uh I thought Riley's shot selection was very poor, and Adams took advantage of that and wound up winning that game rather handily at Hadaway Shack. So that's 23 in a row in the NIC for Adams, 19 in a row at home. Uh, Very balanced effort. Quintez Columbus led the way for the Eagles, their outstanding point guard, but they had the usual three guys in double figures and just a good balanced effort from Chad Johnston's team, who is now... 20-1 20-1 and one on the season, and I think they have a, a grit and a toughness about them that will make them a difficult out in the tournament. Great uh, broadcast, by the way, Friday night. We Thank watched you. online. Thank you. That's, that's such a great gym, and it was a shame that, you know, with COVID, uh, it packed couldn't— to the rafters? It would have been. It would have been packed to the rafters, and what an atmosphere there would have been. It was still a good atmosphere— but it's always, you know, I hyped that game quite a bit. I thought the game was going to be better than what it wound up being. Riley did bounce back the next night and beat Mishawaka in the cave, uh, which is not easy to do this year. So uh, kudos to Alex Daniel and his team for, for bouncing back in that one. Uh, yes, sir. Is Riley's basketball team basically the Blake Wesley show or or not? Well, here, here's the problem. When it becomes the Blake Wesley show, that's usually not a good sign. They play much better when he is somewhere in the 20, between 20 and 30 points. If he's in that range, that's usually the sweet spot for Riley because that means other guys have to produce as well. The worst thing for Riley is to stand around and watch Blake Wesley just do things. They need to play together as a team. They need Jackson Copley and Philip Robles and everybody else to be a contributor. Well, Friday night, that wasn't the case. Copley only got a couple of shots off. Robles didn't hit any shots. And Wesley, I think, tried to to take it upon himself to do a lot of the scoring, and he was taking some rather ill-advised shots. That said, um, I was troubled 
when I learned that after the game Friday night, one of the Riley parents accosted the officials after the game and and basically tried to blame them for a 20-point loss. That wasn't what lost. The officials did not lose the game for Riley. Riley's poor defense and poor shot selection lost the game for it. And there's really no place for any parent to ever physically accost the officials at any time. So I hope, I know it's been brought up with the IHSA, and I hope the IHSA does something about it because there's just no room for that. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Other Friday night notes or other weekend notes from the high school basketball scene. Marion went on the road over the weekend and played down at Warren Central. Warren Central is uh, one of the top 10 teams in Class 4A. And Marion wound up losing by, I think, about 12 to 14 points. So they acquitted themselves all right. They got off to a very bad start in that game, and they were playing uphill almost the entire game. The Knights are still going to be a factor in this tournament, but I think it's good for our teams to go outside this area and play teams downstate because this area only has so much to offer. You've you've got to step outside your comfort zone a little bit, and Adams did this earlier in the year too. They went down and played Warren Central, and I think they wound up losing something like 66-60. to 60. Uh, In doing so, because losses in the regular season don't mean anything, Everybody's getting in the tournament. It's not seeded, so you're not affecting who you get in the tournament. Go play the best teams that you can play and test yourselves a little bit. Get in a new gym that you haven't been in before. Have a new experience. Uh, you know, the, the travel helps bond the team. Playing somebody better than you helps you learn. It, it shows what you need to work on. And, and I think that's a, going to be a benefit for both Adams and Marion down the road. Uh, St. Joe had no problem with Washington on Friday night. J.R. Kinesny scored 32 in that game. Uh, no no other really big notes uh, to come out of what happened on the court Friday for the boys. Let's go to Saturday and the semi-state for the girls. And there was a lot of buildup about this game. How would the three-point shooters of Norwell fare against this Washington team with its size and quickness on defense? And the answer is not very good. Washington came out in a 3-2 zone against Norwell. And when you can put three quick, long, lanky bodies on people, it makes it really tough to get your shot off. And so here's a Norwell girls team that was averaging eight made three-pointers per game. And they got one, and it was well after the matter was decided in the fourth quarter. So kudos to Steve Reynolds and the Washington Panthers. They cruised to a semi-state victory over Norwell, and now they will face number one Silver Creek in the state finals on Saturday, which you can see on TV 46. We'll have Pioneer and Lagodi at 11, South Bend, Washington, and Silver Creek at 3.30, and then Brownsburg and Crown Point at 8. Where's that game actually at? Those are all at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Oh, wow. The Pacers. Wow. So On the main floor. Main floor. Wow. I mean, great opportunity for all these young ladies. Great memory. And uh-huh. and we'll break down those three games when later in the week here on the Yak. 
does Washington have a chance? Yeah, I, I think the Washington Silver Creek game will be the game of the weekend down there. Um, if you look at the Sagarin ratings, which is a rating done by Jeff Sagarin, he he's been used for college basketball lots of times, and because he lives in Indiana, he does Sagarin ratings for all the Indiana high school teams because he's a big high school basketball fan. So for the girls from Washington, their Sagarin rating is something like 95 point, I want to say like 95.76, and Silver Creek Sagarin rating is 96.33. That's how close. Typically, you look at the Sagarin ratings, and the difference is what you would expect. You know, if if the difference in Sagarin is 14, uh, then it's supposed to be like a 14-point game. So here you've got a difference of less than one, and that shows you how tight this game is expected to be between Silver Creek and South Bend, Washington. I will say Silver Creek beat Crown Point earlier in the year, and Crown Point's playing for the 4A state final. So that should give people an idea of how good this Silver Creek team is because the game that we did Saturday, Bob and I had to do a second game for the IHSAA. It was not aired around here, and it was uh, Crown Point and Fort Wayne Carroll in the 4A girls semi-state. Crown Point has a junior by the name of Jessica Carruthers, who is already the number three all-time leading scorer at her school and will easily be number one, barring any kind of injury next year. Jessica Carruthers scored 28 points, and she has the smoothest-looking shot you're ever going to want to see. And she's able to get this shot off against double teams, She's able to run in transition. She's able to stop on a dime and hit a pull-up jumper, whether it's mid-range, three-pointer. She's just an exceptional player to watch. And my hope is next year, and I know that Steve Reynolds, the Washington coach, is going to work on trying to schedule Crown Point. Can you imagine Mila Reynolds, the senior from Washington, who's headed to play at Maryland against Jessica Carruthers, who's mulling over her D1 offers, going head-to-head, um, be great if it were here in South Bend, but it, whether it's in South Bend or Crown Point, that would be a heck of a matchup. So that takes you through Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, we kind of had a, a little bit of a rim rattler, if you will, with Mark Johnson, the St. Joe coach, announcing his retirement. Now, Mark Johnson had told many of us in the media early in the year that this would be his last year, but he didn't want uh, a long drawn out, you know, farewell season or something. He just basically said, "Giving you a heads up, at some point we'll announce it, and I'll call it." And apparently, after the game Friday, he walked up to Angelo DiCarlo, who was doing the game on Redeemer Radio, and said, "Hey, I want you to to have the story." And so they sat down and did an interview, and Angelo posted it yesterday around noon. And Mark has had an Incredibly successful career. 36 seasons, 454 career wins. He led Riley to its last semi-state. He had some great teams at LaSalle, Brandon McKnight, who went on and played at Purdue. And obviously he's got a very good team this year at St. Joe with J.R. Knesny, who's going to Notre Dame. And I think Mark looks at the atmosphere and he says, you know, he's, he's in his mid to late 60s now. And he just feels like it's time. It's time to step away. And he probably isn't going to have a team as good as the one he has now anytime in the near future. So he wants to kind of go out on a high note. 
36 years. Take a moment to uh, think about the lives he has touched in that time just as a coach. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And Mark is one of the most good-humored, quite frankly, one of the funniest guys uh, in, in coaching. And his experiences go back. He was an assistant with George Griffith at LaSalle when George Griffith had Mr. Basketball David Magley, who we yes. had on the show yes. before. So Mark Johnson was an assistant with Magley um, and then went down to Fort Wayne Dwinger, took a team to the semi-state down there. That's when I first really got to meet him as a broadcaster, and then came back up here when the LaSalle job opened up in the late 80s and stayed there until the school closed, basically. Went from LaSalle to Riley and now uh, closing out his career at St. Joe. When he left Riley, and and this has been well publicized, it's a situation that is still amazingly in litigation, even though he's been gone for five years. Uh, There was a basketball family at Riley that... uh, put pressure on the principal to uh, override Mark Johnson's personnel decisions on the roster. And Mark Johnson said, if I'm the basketball coach, I should be allowed to decide who's on my roster. And the principal goes, no, you have to have this person on your roster. And then Mark said, well, if that's the case, I will not be the basketball coach here next year. So he resigned and, and basically retired. He had no intent of getting back into coaching. He was working over at St. Joe, teaching a couple of classes, doing lunchroom and cafeteria duty mainly. And uh, Mike Bauer, the head coach at St. Joe, left St. Joe. And St. Joe turned to Mark Johnson and asked him to be the head coach since he was kind of already there in the building. And uh, it's funny, kids don't really have reference points sometimes. So there was a kid who said, man, that you took a big job. You took a big jump. You went from lunchroom duty to head basketball coach. <laughs> and Mark told that story uh, in the interview with Angelo yesterday that I retweeted. He, he also, he just has some great lines. He says, look, he goes, I'm old. I, I graduated two years behind Moses. I mean, <laughs> so. Uh, so if I'm doing the timeline right, he is the start of the turnstile at Riley. Five coaches in five years. His departure led to the beginning of that turnstile, yeah. So, uh, Mark Johnson leaves, and then last night, the pairings come out for high school basketball. Oh, the pairings. And uh, as Chris May, who was co-hosting the show uh, last night, and he's the executive director of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, he says this day should be a holiday. Uh, it's just you know one of his favorite days of the year because everybody can't wait to see who they're going to wind up matched up with and try to figure out, all right, and then if we win, who are we going to play? And, oh, could there be an upset here? Could there be an upset there? So uh, let's, let's kind of go through these pairings very quickly. I, I don't want to bore people necessarily, but I do try to put out uh, analysis on Twitter during the night and just let people know kind of how the draws were. So we can get more of what you're about to talk about via 46 Sports on on Twitter. Twitter. Okay. You you would get the brief synopsis. We'll probably be able to expand on it here. Okay. But let's let's go, let's start with the big boys in Class 4A, Corey. So uh, Sectional 3 is played down at Plymouth this year, and South Bend Adams has Plymouth, 
in the first round. Well, Plymouth only has two wins all year, and here's Adams. They're ranked in the top 10 in Class 4A. So you would assume Adams is going to win that game. Then they would play the winner of Mishawaka-Laporte. Well, Mishawaka has 15 wins this year. Laporte's been kind of struggling. So you would think, okay, Adams and Mishawaka will meet in the semifinals. Other side of the bracket, Michigan City and Culver Academies. Culver Academies is a tough team to figure out because they haven't played a lot of games this year because of COVID. Michigan City got off to a great start. They've really been struggling since their guard, Jamie Hodges, got hurt. You would think, though, that Michigan City would still win that game. And then South Bend Riley had the bye, so you'd have Riley and Michigan City in one semifinal at Plymouth, Mishawaka and Adams in the other. That's a, that's a pretty good Friday night right there. But I think that's a, a very balanced draw this year. Adams would be the favorite based on the fact of their record. Class uh, 4A over at Elkhart, that is played at Northside Gym. So on Tuesday night, Penn would play Goshen. Fairly even matchup, but I think Penn would be the favorite, again, based on their record. Is this tomorrow night, Tuesday night? Uh, no, a week, from, a, week? a week from tomorrow night. Okay. So all these sectionals are played next week, basically the first full week of March. Okay. So you've got Penn and Goshen on Tuesday night. The other Tuesday night game is Concord and Elkhart. Elkhart has a little bit better record than Concord, but Concord has been playing pretty good ball lately. Uh, that's a fairly even matchup, but I would I would favor Elkhart uh, just, again, based on record. They have more wins than Concord this year. The two teams that got the buys are the two best teams in the sectional, and that's Northridge and Warsaw. Northridge would play the winner of that Penn-Goshen game. Warsaw would play the winner of Elkhart-Concord. The winners from Friday night then meet on Saturday in the finals. Most people would expect a final between Warsaw and Northridge. Warsaw won the regular season game using a triangle and two to shut down Northridge. But since they've already used that, Northridge might expect it. What changes does each coach make in the rematch? That's always part of the fascinating thing to look at in those kind of things. Let's go down to Class 3A. And, of course... St. Joe and Marion, they have that huge rivalry, and they would be expected to meet Friday night over at South Bend, Washington. Marion does have to beat Clay in the opener, but you've got St. Joe and Marion played that classic game on 46 back on February 12th. I would anticipate this would be uh, another terrific matchup. Other side of the bracket, John Glenn got the bye. John Glenn has had a nice season. They didn't fare well against either St. Joe or Marion, but who knows how they would do if they had another chance. Glenn would play the winner of Washington and Jimtown. Apparently, the Jimtown team took exception to the fact that the, I didn't mention them in my instant analysis on Twitter yesterday. So I'll tell you this much. Uh, they have four wins this season, and they lost to Washington by 31 during the regular season. Let's check out another sectional in Class 3A, and that would be Sectional 18, and that is the one over at New Prairie. New Prairie, the host school, plays a winless Wheeler team in the first round. They would play River Forest in the semifinals. Most people expect this sectional final to be New Prairie against the defending sectional champion Hanover Central. Last year, the game was played at Hanover Central, and Hanover Central won. This year, the game will be played at New Prairie. We'll see if the Cougars 
can have a reversal of fortune there. As I told you off the air, I spent my afternoon at New Prairie yesterday. Wow, wow, wee wah, what a building. Yeah, they have made some significant improvements over there. Massive video screen mm-hmm. in uh, the basketball arena? My yep. goodness. Yeah, they they have uh, done a good job of improving that school over there, and it's, yeah. it's changed a lot over the last 20 years or so. Uh, the 3A sectional at... West Noble has only five teams in it. Northwood, most people would think, is the favorite based on record. And they have the bye. They play the winner of Tipkanoo Valley Wawasee Friday night. The other Friday night game is West Noble and Lakeland. Now, West Noble just beat Northwood a couple of weeks ago. And Lakeland has been playing very good ball. Remember, they had that overtime game with Northridge, very good team, last week. So that, to me, is a wide-open and balanced sectional. Let's go down into 2A. A lot of people looking at the Westview sectional. Corey, I think this is the toughest sectional in Class 2A. Why is that? You've got Central Noble is ranked number four in the state. Churubusco is ranked number six in the state. And Central Noble has only lost one game this year, and who did they lose it to? The team they play in the opening round, Westview. Those three teams are all at the bottom of the bracket. Up at the top of the bracket, Bremen's got a bye. They're 8 and 11. East Side's up there with 12 wins. They play a Fairfield team that only has one win this year. So a lot of people expect Bremen to play East Side in the semifinals. And whoever wins that one gets to face whoever comes out of the bracket of death in the bottom with Churubusco, Westview, and Central Noble. And whoever does come out of that will have had to have played at least one really tough game. Maybe two already, so now you get to Saturday. How much emotion and physicality have you already used up? Maybe Bremen or Eastside can pull a surprise in the championship game. That's usually the, a recipe for an upset right there. Do they blow through these games pretty quick, like Friday, Saturday, then Tuesday? Do they, they play on Sunday? No, they don't play on Sunday. So most of these sectionals will be either Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, or in the case of Westview, they play one game on Tuesday, Eastside and Fairfield. Then they play two games on Wednesday, Prairie Heights, Churubusco, Central Noble, Westview. So let's say you're the Westview Warriors. You're Ed Bentley's team. Good team. You're playing at home. But maybe Central Noble is even a better example to do here because of the travel involved. You're Central Noble. You have a terrific guard in Connor Essegian. But you've got to get on a bus Wednesday go up to Westview. Let's say you beat them on their home floor Wednesday. You got to turn around Friday, get on a bus, go up to Westview, and play a Churubusco team that loves to run up and down the floor, one of the highest scoring teams in Indiana. You get done with that, you go home, you get on bus Saturday, and you got to play again. A lot of travel involved. I mean, that's... The wear and tear can get to you real quick. Got to take care of yourself during this. You have to take care of yourself you have to find a way to summon up the emotions again, mm-hmm. uh, not be flat because you come out flat Saturday night. That's when Eastside or Bremen might be able to surprise you. So is this Friday the last of the regular season? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This Friday is the, this is the last week of the regular season. There's uh, some games tonight. Northwood is at Lakeland tonight for a regular season game. Uh, pretty much games every day this week, but most teams will shut it down after Friday and start practicing for the section. Now, there are other teams, Riley, Jimtown, 
They don't have any games this week. They're off all week. So Riley gets the bye at Plymouth. Well, they don't have any games this week, and they don't play until Friday of the following week. That's 11 days to go without a game. That's that's a long time. Long time. Warsaw's in that same boat. They played South Bend, Washington on Saturday. Barely escaped with a three-point win. They don't have any games until March the 5th. Now, on the one hand, it gives you time to heal up. If you got any players banged up, get those injuries taken care of, you'll have fresh legs. But on the other hand, you haven't played a competitive game for two weeks. What are you going to look like when you take the floor? That rust builds up real quick, doesn't it? These are all the things that coaches kind of have to worry about as they get their teams ready for this sectional week. So that kind of gives you an idea of of most of the pairings around here. I realize we kind of petered out on 2A and 1A. I apologize to those schools, but there's only so much time. Okay. How about college basketball? Let's get into that. What a game yesterday. I I know you were looking forward to this one. You didn't get a chance to watch because you were watching your son, who you should watch above this one. But Michigan and and Ohio State played the best college basketball game I have seen this year. Listen to you. It was such high-functioning offense. And it's not that there was bad defense going on. It's not like these two teams were laying down. But the shot-making was at such a high level yesterday. And Michigan and Ohio State kind of went tooth and nail for about 37 and a half minutes before the Wolverines kind of got a surge in the last two and a half minutes and wind up winning at 92 to 87. Hunter Dickinson, this big, you like to use the term Yeti to describe, you know, these big hulking guys. Well, he would be, there was one time he got fouled and it looked like bowling for dollars. There was this one blue jersey falling and knocking (laughs) down three gray jerseys uh, at the same time. But the Wolverines went at 92-87. They were ranked number three. Ohio State was ranked number four. I didn't see anything to make Ohio State drop in the rankings. They might drop a slot behind Illinois. The Big Ten is such a a huge jumble up at the top, but there is no mistaking the fact that Michigan right now is the best team in the Big Ten. They might be the best team in all of college basketball. We talked about that a little bit last Friday. I would certainly make Jawan Howard my coach of the year, not only in the Big Ten but nationally. The job he has done with this Michigan team, especially taking in a couple of transfers and getting them to gel and the chemistry that they play with, you can't say enough about the job Jawan Howard has done this year for the Maize and Blue. Also yesterday, Butler continues its struggle of a season. They lose to Xavier 63-51. Valpo with a nice win. Over the weekend, Corey, college basketball. Notre Dame had a 20-point lead on Syracuse. 20 in the first half. But we've seen this movie before, haven't we? I was going to ask, is Syracuse ranked? No. Oh. Oh. No. <laughs> Change of the narrative. But it, it doesn't matter because here's the other narrative you get out of Notre Dame basketball. Big lead first half. Great execution. Other team comes with full court pressure. Ah! What do we do? What do we do with the basketball? Well, how about turn it over, take bad shots, miss shots, and let the other team come roaring back. Syracuse goes on a 36-8 to run and winds up beating the Irish 75-67. We've seen it against Kentucky. We've seen it against Georgia Tech. We see it against Syracuse. 
This is a Notre Dame team that does not play like a veteran team. Mike Bray said at the beginning of the year, you know, I trust my guys. This is Prentice Hub's team. Well, here's once again a time when your backcourt didn't come through. Your backcourt did not know how to handle pressure. And this is why Notre Dame isn't going anywhere this year in the postseason. They had their chance. You get this win at Syracuse, you're at 500. You've won seven of your last nine. You've got some momentum. There's some reason for hope at the end of the rainbow here. Now you're 8-10, and 10, and you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere, Mike. So we've talked about that team. Here's another one. Indiana. What did we talk about with Indiana on Friday's show? Talked about how good the offensive flow looked, how everybody was getting involved, how Rob Finnessy was distributing the ball, played probably his best game at IU. And then Michigan State comes in, and we said, boy, if there's ever a time to get Michigan State, this is the time because they're not as tough as some of the Michigan State teams have been in the past. And Michigan State walks into Assembly Hall, just like Rutgers did, and hands the Hoosiers a big L. Indiana has not been able to defend its home court in the Big Ten season, and I don't see any reason to have confidence that they'll be able to do anything in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament if they even get there. And Dick Vitale's talking about how Archie Miller's such a great coach. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, Dickie V. Just because he won at Dayton, just because he had a nice tournament run at Dayton, an unexpected one, doesn't mean that he's ready for the Indiana job. That's a whole different ballgame. How long has he been there now? Four years. And they haven't been a good four years. And so the Hoosiers continue to be that enigma, that riddle that nobody seems to be able to figure out what they're going to do on a given night. I'll tell you a team that looked good on Saturday is Purdue. Now, granted, they were playing at Nebraska, which, by the way, most hideous home uniforms that there are. Nebraska, you look like you're sponsored by a gas station. Why don't you just put Casey's General on the front? Because here's the thing, Nebraska. Herbie Husker spinning a basketball on the front of your uniform just makes you look like a bunch of clowns. Really? That's what they have? Yes. Wow. I'm going to have to see that. Yeah. You Google that one, kids, because it's hideous. I want to make sure I got this right. Herbie Husker? Herbie Husker. Thanks. Spinning a basketball on his finger on That's the front of the jersey. uniform. Wow. Yeah. With the and above it for knowledge. And Nebraska winds up losing to Purdue. Jaden Ivey played a very good game. The big development for Purdue in this game was Sasha Stefanovic, a young man from Crown Point, Indiana. Terrific three-point shooter. He had become ill with COVID, and since coming back from COVID, he had played three games, had not been able to hit a three-pointer. All of a sudden in the second half, he gets on fire. And Purdue, smart enough to say, that's the guy with the hot hand. Get him the ball. And they did, and he hit about four straight threes, and Purdue wound up with an easy win over Nebraska. Matt Painter's team just doing right where they should be in the Big Ten. Do you realize uh, they had this stat in the broadcast the other night? I think there's 384 teams in Division I basketball. In terms of total experience coming into the season, Purdue ranked 
362nd. I mean, it's a bunch of fresh faces on this Purdue team. Right. But they're playing really, really good basketball. They move the ball around. They find the open guy. Oh, they actually play defense. And they rebound. How's that for a thought? Hopefully they'll play together for a while. Um, I think they will because while I think there are certain eventual NBA players on the team, and Jay Nivey may well be one, they don't have any uh, one-and-done types. Right. Speaking of the one-and-done types, uh, and this isn't on the list here, but you know, Jalen Johnson was the young man at Duke who decided uh, with uh, about four weeks left in the season, I'm going to opt out. I'm going to opt out of the rest of the year. Because? Because I'm, I'm going to get myself ready for the NBA draft. Oh. No, what, what he did, he didn't opt out. He quit. And you know what? Duke hasn't lost since he quit. So maybe you should have opted out a long time ago. It's another example of people finding that when you play as a team, it's a lot better than when... It's a one-man show. One-man show, or at least one man uh, perhaps ruining it for everybody else. Okay. So those are my thoughts on basketball over the weekend. There was <laughs> there was one interesting move in the NBA, Corey, and that's Minnesota fired their coach, uh, Ryan Saunders. We had mentioned earlier that Minnesota is the worst team in the NBA, so you can understand why they would fire their coach. And they actually went and hired the assistant coach from another team to be their head coach, which is kind of a rare move in the NBA midseason. I mean, that that's the kind of personnel move that usually happens after the year is over. But Toronto didn't want to stand in the way of, uh, of an assistant coach being able to become a head coach. So they said, okay, and Chris Finch will be the new head coach of the Timberwolves now. Minnesota is so far down the list in the NBA Western Conference. Uh, Chris Finch isn't going to come in and be able to be a miracle worker, but it'll be interesting to see how he gets that team playing. They have a young man named Anthony Edwards who was the first pick of the NBA draft. He had a dunk over the weekend against Toronto that if you're the Toronto player, you'd like to go into witness protection. <laughs> Because Anthony Edwards just completely bodily owned the player. He hits the slam dunk, and then as he lands, he lands basically on top of the player. It's uh, it's rather emasculating if you're the Toronto player, quite <laughs> frank. Like a deflated balloon. Yeah. And Notre Dame women's basketball gets back on the court tonight in the L. Ivy's team. I uh, had to take what wound up being about a four-day break from actually practicing or being together. Uh, they've been able to practice now for about a week, and they will play at Pittsburgh tonight. Irish are 8-10, and 10, and they too, the women just like the men, in danger of not making the NCAA tournament. Why don't you blitz through these last headlines and we'll call it a show. We told you about Novak Djokovic last week, and he wound up winning the Australian Open Tennis Tournament, beating Dmitry Medvedev in straight sets. 18 Grand Slams now for Djokovic. Half of them have been Australian Opens. Golf, Max Homa wins a very entertaining tournament at Riviera over the weekend. Second playoff hole, he beats Tony Finau, and Max Homa on his Homa course gets the first PGA win of his career. 
And a first-time winner on the NASCAR circuit is Christopher Bell. Wins on the road course at Daytona. Another kind of tough week for South Bend's Ryan Newman. He finished 20th. Overrated, underrated, did you bring anything to the I, table? Before? I unfortunately have nothing. Nor did I, so we'll <laughs> skip that segment today. We're tired. We are. You're about to call time out. Yeah. Literally. For a day. Just for a day. Refresh. It'll be a long day without you. Hit the refresh button. Uh, you should subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You should follow Chuck on Twitter so you can get all that good pairings goodness right when it happens, I noticed. You were on it. We were. Oh, you a lefty or a righty with the thumbs? Um, or both? You know, the nice thing about the way they did the show last night is because they would put up a bracket and then talk about it. I had immediate time. I'm a I'm a double thumber. Double thumber. Double thumber. And okay. I had immediate time to get that screenshot made, get it out on the Twitter, and then we could do our instant analysis just a wee bit later. Chuck is thumbs up on Twitter. Both of them. Thank you so much. You're on Twitter too, aren't you? I am. At my name is Corey. What I like to do is steal Chuck's video from his Friday night game, trim it down to the dunks, and put it on there, and get a thousand views. To which I say thanks. And you also uh, you got some reaction for something else because... I heard a Yak reference, which I was very excited about. As was Jim Seitz. <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogaloogala Grandoran. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.